Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Women Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Witter. Today, I'm excited to welcome Nam McGrail as our featured guest for this episode. Nam serves as the Senior Vice President of Partnership Activation for the LA Kings of the NHL and AEG Global Partnerships. Nam shares her incredible career journey with us. After dedicating 10 years to her title as mom, she was ready to dive back into her career life and explore new opportunities. It only took one conversation to open the door into the sports industry and to her career of working with wonderful people, partners, and in a city that she loves to call home. I would just say, you know, if you want it, like, go for it. You know, you have to be, you have to be hungry. You have to network. You have to put yourself out there and get the word out that you're interested in X, Y, and Z. You know, get people to be on the lookout for you for opportunities. All right, now take us back to the beginning. You graduated um, with a Bachelor of Arts from UCLA. You know, how did you make your college decision? And what was the original vision you had for your career while you were in college? Um, well, you know, it was so different back then. <laughs> um, I think I applied to four schools, all in California. Um, I had two kids, and they both applied to, I think, 12 to 15 schools, <laughs> you know, in-state and out-state. But I think at the time, I just didn't even think that going out-of-state was an option for me. Um, so... I think UCLA was the first acceptance that I received. Um, and in my mind, that was like close enough to home, but also just far enough <laughs> from my yeah. parents who were super strict. Um, and, you know, looking back, like I just had such a great experience at UCLA. It was absolutely the, the right choice for me. Um, when I started, I started as an economics major because at the time they didn't have a business major and you know back then like we weren't as focused as as like this generation you know like yeah. I feel like right now kids go into school knowing what they want to do and they pick a very you know specialized major um knowing you know what sort of uh, work they want to go into but back then it was it was a little bit different so I started as an economics major um until I took my first economics course <laughs> uh, and I uh, quickly realized that that was not my thing. So um, I switched my major to sociology, which, you know, those were the classes that I really enjoyed and was interested in. Um, and, you know, I wasn't sure, again, what I wanted to do after college, but that's, those are the classes that I, um, that I enjoyed. And in the end, my major didn't really matter. <laughs> I'm not a sociologist. I'm not in psychology, you know, so. Um, and when I, you know, when I interview people to, to work at AEG or for the Kings, like, I'm not asking them, like, what was your major? <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. Like, obviously you're, you wanted to stay close to home, right? It sounds like, like home was like one of the biggest drivers here. Um, but once you graduate with your sociology degree, right. Mm -hmm. What was that first job you landed then after college? And what was some of the biggest takeaways from that first career opportunity? So again, this is going to date me, but my, <laughs> my first job out of college was for a company called PageNet, which was like the, you know, like the beeper pager. Company. Yeah. Yeah. 
this was before everybody had cell phones and you know like you would get a beat or a page and then you'd go to like a payphone and call somebody back <laughs> <laughs> so um i started there um my biggest takeaway i met my ex-husband there so i guess that's all that a takeaway um but i guess in, ser in all seriousness my biggest takeaway was that it made me realize that i didn't want to spend day driving all over the west side visiting businesses and residences and I, I knew that that's not what i wanted to do day in and day out um i also realized like how much of your life you spend at work yeah <laughs> and how important it is to you know, like really like it there, like going there, like the people that you're working with. Um, and it, it, you really need to learn how to get along with and work with everyone and every type of personality. Um, so I guess, it, you know, it, it taught me two things. Like it taught me what I, what I didn't want to do. And it taught me uh, to, to know that wherever I landed, it was important that I liked it there and that I liked everybody that I, that I worked with. Yeah. I mean, that's a big, that's a big part of it, right? Like yeah. those are good, great lessons in that, that first experience. Cause now you can navigate in the right direction, um, knowing one, what you don't like, which is a big learning experience. And then obviously, yeah, like understanding the relationship side and the environment piece and what you want to be a part of I think is a, is a big part of that. I love, yeah. I love that you're working in a pager place. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it really dates me. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know if my kids know what a pager is. <laughs> I remember my, my, when I was with the, I was with the Indiana Pacers as my first job. And uh -huh. I remember making like tons of phone calls, you know, that first week on the job, like, you know, all the cold calls and yeah. nobody ever called me back. And there one time I came back from lunch and my light was red. I was so excited. I got my first call back. Right. And I, I listened to the voicemail and the guy's like, um, thanks for calling. Um, but we don't need any pagers. Like we, we moved to cell phones like two years ago. I'm like, pagers, you thought I said Indiana pagers, not pacers. <laughs> That's I like, funny. I need to announce, like pronunciate better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it all can, it can only go up from there for me at that point. <laughs> now, after, after your time there, um, it, you know, you've probably navigated beyond and what have not, but you did decide to continue your education by getting your master's of arts at USC. Um, so curious, like for you, what inspired you to continue your education and obtain your master's? So um, after PageNet, I bounced around a couple of other places. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> um, and so I went back to school to get my master's in early childhood education. Um, I ended up not using that degree. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Clearly. Um, it, it, you know, I, I think a couple months after I got that degree, I got pregnant with my son. Um, and my husband and I, you know, hadn't planned to start our family that soon, but it just sort of happened. Um, and, you know, I'd always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom because I grew up with two working parents, yeah. you know. They, they were great and wonderful and gave me an amazing life, but I knew that I wanted to be at home with my kids. So once I got pregnant, I, you know, I, I thought, well, I want to be at home with my own kids, not 
teaching other people's kids. So um, I stayed home mom for like 10 years. Oh, wow. So both my kids were in school full time and I had, uh, you know, more time on my hands. Wow. I imagine like you, you actually, you got the degree, then you went and you know you got, you got pregnant and then 10 years a stay-at-home mom which is a job within itself you should have that on LinkedIn I didn't even see that <laughs> <laughs> yes that is a job I mean again like stay-at-home moms I, I feel like that's the hardest job in the world yeah it, it, it truly is it truly is well that's fantastic how did you navigate at the point when you were at the point where you're like okay I'm ready back to work how did you start to come to the conclusion that you wanted to get back into the workforce? Um, you know, like I mentioned, my kids were school full time. So I just I had more time on my hands and, you know, I was, I was, you know, meeting up with friends and, and things around the house and, you know, finding hobbies, but I, I, I was a little bit bored and um, I needed a little more, you know, I, I needed more um, mental stimulation, I guess. <laughs> Um, and so I started, you know, contemplating going back to work, even though I thought that I would be a stay-at-home mom forever. Yeah. Um, I just found myself, you know, looking for and wanting a little bit more. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So in 2008, you got your sports career break-in opportunity with AEG as an account executive in global partnerships. So you have to share, like, this transition of how you landed the opportunity and what were some of the highlights from your foundation that you built at AG and where you are now? Um, so if, for, for me and my big break with AEG, all about timing and, and network. Um, my best friend from high school worked at Staples Center, which is what it was called back then, before <laughs> arena. Um, she actually helped open that building up. Um, and one day I met her for lunch downtown near the arena and I told her I was thinking about going back to work and she said to me, oh, I thought, I think you would be great in premium seating or sponsorship activation. And at the time I had no idea what either was. Um, so we talked a little bit more about that. And then as we were leaving the restaurant, my old boss was walking in. So, so my friend Christy introduced me to her. Um, the following week, Christy called me to say that she had talked to, um, to her and, you know, asked her if there were any openings and there weren't at the time, but she was like, you know, she's open to keeping your file. So get your resume together and send it to me. And I, and I said, great, thank you. Um, literally like two days later, she called me and said, okay, so-and-so is leaving and you, you have an interview on Monday. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> it happened. So for me, it was about, you know, network and timing and being in the right place at the right time right right and it, yeah. th that's what it's all about. i mean sometimes it's all it takes right like it's kind of it's kind of remarkable when that happens so yeah. what did you what were some of those highlights of that first year and transitioning into this role this new role in this new industry that you didn't have much exposure to prior to you know getting in yeah that that first year and role is really all about just learning about the sponsor sponsorship world um, and figuring out how to navigate within AG and, you know, trying to learn everything that I could. Um, I was lucky to work for and with some great people who I learned a lot from and, you know, they, they helped guide me and, and um, they were really my champions. Um, 
So, and, and again, like back then there was, AG was growing so quickly that there was really no, like, there wasn't like an orientation. There wasn't a training period. It was really like, you know, you get thrown in and, 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 and you gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> you just gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to go. Light's green. Um, but in some ways, like, I, I think that was a blessing because it forced me to just sort of like, you know, dig in and get to it. Yeah. I, I think sometimes like not having all the training into your point, like it didn't have, you know, some of the traditional onboarding aspects that you see today in, in organizations makes you learn faster. You know, it makes you put you in that situation to your point, like you're in the fire a little bit, but what, but you know, that's how you, that's how you grow faster sometimes. Yeah. It forces you. It's, it's sink or swim, right? Yeah. Right. Right. And thank God you, you it sounds like you were, you, you're still swimming. <laughs> <laughs> Now, within five years of the organization, you moved up into a manager position. So, again, as as and and, um, and again um, as a director of partnership activation. So, give us some insights on your approach to growth and how you made these transitions internally into in, into leadership. Um, I really, I think that if you have a good attitude, you have good relationships both internally and externally. Um, and you're willing to put in the hours and commitment to, you know, to really work hard. I, I truly believe it gets, it, it gets noticed. Yeah. Um, you know, it might take some time, but eventually it gets noticed. Um, I also think it's very important to have a champion or an advocate, um, someone who is quick to point out your hard work or abilities to others, um, someone who's always looking for opportunities to get you a seat at the table during a meeting or on a call to listen in and learn um, or, you know, to get exposed to upper management or leadership, right? Um, I think starting as account executive and knowing what that role was like, um, we make the transition internally into leadership um, I actually still manage some accounts like anyone else on the team because I think that helps me be a better leader. I'm not asking anyone anything that I'm not also doing. And um, it helps me to better understand the pain points and recognize any inefficiencies and you know, even be empathetic to what someone might be experiencing with their own portfolio of accounts. Um, and that's, I think that's really worked well for me and, and our group. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. And um, th- that connectivity, like, like you said, like you still have some accounts. It, it keeps you understanding exactly like they, what they're, what they're going through, what their pain points are, what the challenges are, and you can be an effective leader to make the right changes or processes or, you know, put something in place so that you're supporting the team in their success. And, you know, that's a, that's a big part of it as well, but it sounds like your approach to growth was, was very specific, you know, to a great opportunity um, in terms of, you know, having the right attitude and being a hard worker. These are, these are core characteristics of growth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And, And how about for you, like in terms of like your leadership style and what you like about leader, being a leader, um, what are some of the things that you would say, that you know are very like nom you know related like what are some of the characteristics you believe that you bring authentically into your leadership approach um i'm definitely not a micromanager yeah. um, you know like i 
you know, I've, I've faith and trust in my team, um, and in their abilities. And, you know, I'm, I'm not there to micromanage anybody as long as, as long as you're doing your job and getting things done, like I'm pretty much out of your hair. Um, <laughs> I'm there to you know, offer support and guidance if you need it or ask for it. But, um, you know, I, I, I try to give everybody some autonomy and authority run their accounts how they want to run their accounts and, you know, um, have conversations internally. And obviously I'll step in when, when I need to, but um, that's sort of my main um, leadership style, I guess. I would say. Yeah. Um, and I'm also quick to um, recognize, uh, you know, hard work or, uh, you know, when somebody's put in the extra effort um, because I think, that's really important. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard of this, but we had done this program called the print, um, where you go through this series of, of questions and they identify you as, as a number on a scale of one to, I think it's one to nine. Hmm. And so you have a major print and a minor print. And it, it, it's, it's spooky how, um, how accurately it, it, uh, identifies you. So when you get the report back, it's, it tells you like, you know, what are your triggers and, um, you know, and under what conditions you work best or, or, or in best, are in best self. Um, and so, you know, my whole team has gone through that too. And I know what their print scores are. And so you can, you can, um, you know, communicate with somebody knowing what their print is and, and knowing how they like to be communicated with. And, you know, some people um, thrive on verbal recognition. Others, you know, want like, um, want to be encouraged. I mean, so, so it's really helpful. Um, yeah. And you sort of like cater your, your management style according to, you know, what motivates a person. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I love that you do that. And I've never even heard of the print score. So I'm gonna have to Google this. Is this, this is a third party that you work with to help with this, or is this an online resource? It's a third party. Um, his name is Art Sarkisian, and it's it's great. Our whole organization, it's moving through the organization. I think it started, um, I think uh, Global Partnerships did it first, and then I think the, the Kings did it, and I think other organizations within AG are doing it as well. So that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's a good, that's a good resource and something. Um, to consider and whether it's print or any other resources in that matter like to your point like the, the understanding how somebody like how somebody's best able to communicate or who they work best with and what environments they work best in like that's that's really a powerful tool and helps inform the sort of leadership approach you have to personalize to each of the individuals on your team right like so that's a that's a it's a great a great process and i appreciate you sharing that with us yeah i, I recommend it but you now invested almost 16 years with AG and now serve as the SVP of Partnership Activation after you experienced additional growth climbing the ladder with the LA Kings. So what do you most enjoy about your position and working in the NHL and for the Kings? So I used to work across several different properties, um, but I enjoy being focused on one. So I, I love working with the Kings. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be working for a professional sports team. And I still sometimes can't believe that I have a voice and like a small part in making decisions for, you know, for the LA Kings. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, the experiences I've had, the people I've met, 
you know, the places I've been able to go, the events I've been able to attend. It's, it's unreal. You know, I feel super, super lucky. Um, and it sounds cliche, but what I most enjoy is the people, you know, I, I work with and for some amazing people who have become friends and family. And, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned before, like you spend so much time at work and I, I spend more time with my colleagues sometimes than my own family. So um, it's really, I, I think what I enjoy most about my work are the people. Um, and I realized last week coming home from vacation that I, I actually, I enjoy going to the office. You know, I love what I do and I love the people that I get to do with every day. And um, I know I'm lucky and, and that's never lost on me and I'll never take that for granted. And, you know, hopefully that translates and shows in my work ethic. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I'm happy to hear it. It sounds like you're in a great place. Obviously you would have invested, you know, almost 16 years in a place that you didn't feel so valued and that you, you love to work and especially the people that you get to work with. I mean, that's, I would agree. It, it definitely sounds cliche, but it is the consistent theme. It's like when you can find the right mix of people to work with and work for, um, that's, that's sort of the game changer of finding your place, you know, in this, in this industry and in any industry, I imagine. Yes. Every episode, I like to go back and sort of pull themes from previous conversations. So um, the first one I wanted to, to touch on with you is challenges. So just sort of reflecting back, you know, what is a challenge you faced that helped you grow personally as well um, as professionally? Um, when I was first starting my career at AEG, um, I was worried because, you know, it was later in life, right? Like I was in my late 30s, I had kids, whereas um, most of my peers were in their 20s, didn't have kids. And so, you know, I was, I was a little bit worried about that. But in hindsight, I think it may have helped. Um, you know, I think my life experiences and perspective um, helped me, you know, navigate through crises and conflicts and, and opportunities. Um, and so, you know, what, what I thought might've been a challenge turned out helped. Yeah. I think. <laughs> no, I, no, it's, it's, I get it. Like I, I think for years, like when I was younger thinking like someday I do want to be a mom, you know, and there was this fear that if I did have kids, it would sort of end my career growth or, you know, that was going to be it for me. And yeah. I did realize, like, to your point, like, one, your children give you so much motivation to work hard. Like, you have something you're working for and the life you're providing them. So that's, there's a great motivation there. On the second side of it, too, it's the, the experiences and the growth that you have, you know, becoming a parent and being a parent, I think, is very relatable to your work life, you know, in some way um, yeah. as well. So, yeah, I, I would agree. It's, I think the fear, I don't know why the fear is there. It's probably a societal impactful thing but I think that's a good transition into lifestyle so every episode I talk about lifestyle um and obviously to your point like when you got in you had you know so younger younger children and you were you know growing your career and getting into this new this new industry for you um and a lot of things a lot of times women you know especially with kids you will get this sort of work-life balance question and so what we did on this podcast is we threw out the term work-life balance and we really focus in on this concept of lifestyle is that we built a lifestyle that works for us and the people in our lives. So curious for you, like, how did you and how do you still 
manage your lifestyle so that it works for you and the things that are important to you outside of work and for the people in your life? Um, when I first started out, I was commuting from Orange County. So I was on the road for, you know, between the there and the commute back, I was on the road anywhere from like two to three hours a day. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that's like two to three hours a day that I could be kids, right? So so we moved, we, we, we quickly moved um, and that helped. But I think for the year, I've, I've learned to say no yeah. <laughs> sometimes, you know, and, and, and to be okay with that. Um, during the season, as, as you know, we have 41 home games um, and things get super busy and, you know, there are some long days and nights and weekends and, you know, as, as much as I'd like to, to go to every game or every event or every party, it's just, it's just not possible. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Um, and, and I know that I need my, my downtime and, you know, I need my dinners with my family and I need my walks or hikes and, you know, those things all allow me to be the best version of myself when I, when I am at work or at an event. So, um, I think just, you know, recognizing, you know, what you need, um, in order to be the best version of yourself is super important. And then just, you know, being okay with saying no, everyone. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And I think it's, it, I think it's hard, you know, to your point, like in the beginning, just, just think you can say no, or to structure things out that works, because there's, there's this high expectation about, you know, your presence at events, and, you know, at every game, um, there has been a huge shift in that, I think, across the industry, obviously, maybe, maybe COVID played a bigger role in that as well, just realizing the opportunities we have that we can still, you know, be, quite successful in our roles and not have to be at every single thing, you know, as well. So that's really yeah. helpful. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, like when I first, um, you know, took over um, the group, like one of the first things that I did was, you know, back then we were all sort of expected to go to every game and, you know, it's a grind and, and people get burnt out. So um, we started doing, we call it, the AMOD system, which is activation manager on duty. So we rotate games um, on who is going to be the activation manager on duty for that night. Um, and everybody else, if they obviously if they have a client in, in the building or if they have an activation happening, you know, they're expected to be there. But if they don't be there, like they, you know, they don't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that and, would give that would give a lot of flexibility and opportunity to your point. And you probably have a good retention because of that too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, to close things up, um, we'd love to to get some advice like I do in every episode as well. So what advice would you have for those looking to grow their careers in this industry who may have started in a very similar place that you did now? I, I just I would just say, you know, if you want it, like go for it. You know, you have to be you have to be hungry. You have to network. You have to put yourself out there and get the word out that you're interested in X, Y, and Z. And, you know, get people to be on the lookout for you for opportunities. And um, for the right company or opportunity, I would say don't be afraid to take a step back or start in another department or just, you know, get your foot in the door. Um, because, again, I, I think if you hard, you'll eventually get noticed and you can move over or up um, or, you know, maybe it would open up another opportunity. So really like that, that's, that's it. Like 
if you really want it, like go for it and don't give up. That's right. Go for it and don't give up. I love that. Thank you so much, Nam, for sharing your journey with us, providing some of your insights, and for being a guest on the Women Blazers. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And that's a wrap on episode 71. Thank you to Nam for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. And as a thank you to Nam, our friends at the Pro Sports Assembly will provide her with a one-year membership for her to join Pro. Pro Sports Assembly is an industry member-led association helping advance equity in pro sports. I want to thank Pro for their incredible support and believing in the mission of the podcast. And I encourage you to also visit prosportsassembly.org to learn more about how you can become a member. Now to stay connected and to engage with the Women Blazers community, follow us at Instagram at Women Blazers. And be sure to check out the next episode dropping Monday, August 28th. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week.